Blog Talk Radio. edition of Weigh-In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. I want to wish everyone out there a happy new year. This is 2014, and we're excited to, to bring you a show today. We, we usually go Wednesday nights at 9 Eastern, but since it is New Year's Day, our next show will be Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, and at that time, we'll review all of the bowl games that's happened and preview Monday night's national championship game between the Florida State Seminoles and the Auburn Tigers, uh, two teams that are hot right now. And someone said it, I think it was Jesse Palmer or Pollock, said usually you don't get the two hottest teams in football playing each other, playing each other in this game. Last year you saw Notre Dame make it in. They were undefeated, but not a very good football team, to be honest with you. But this year is going to be a lot different. We have a, a team, a champion from a conference that's won it seven years in a row. This could be their second championship in, what, four years. So while Alabama's dominating, so can Auburn. They can, they can hold, hold their hat on that. So what a game we have next Monday night, and we will preview that. We promise we're going to spend an entire show almost breaking down this game. Hopefully we'll have ESPN analyst Tom Luganville with us next Sunday night. To, to go over this game as well. But, again, happy new year. It was a long day yesterday getting through year in. But here we are, and the bowl game's going on today. We have Georgia-Nebraska. It was 10-9 to 9 at the half just a moment ago. We have in the Capital One Bowl, South Carolina just took a 14-7 to 7 lead over the Wisconsin Badgers. Outback Bowl, we have LSU-Iowa. LSU's up 7 to nothing. I just said 14 to 7 South Carolina. They missed the extra point, so it's 13 to 7. And then later today, guys, I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited to see this Michigan State Spartans team and Stanford Cardinal in the Rose Bowl. What a phenomenal matchup that's going to be. If you love old style football, which I do, then you have to watch this game. It's going to be crazy as, as much defense is going to be in this game, running the football, the eye formation. Power Eye. It's going to be fun to see. So I'm an SEC guy. I love SEC football, but I love good football. I love good hard-hitting football in the Stanford-Michigan State game. It's going to be the game of the day. You look tonight at the Fiesta Bowl, you have Central Florida and Baylor. Guys, I just don't think that's going to be a good game. I mean, I think Baylor's going to blow these guys out of the water. It's going to be over early. And it's not going to be much to talk about. But that Rose Bowl is something special. And then tomorrow night, we have the Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Oklahoma. It sounds like a big matchup, but it's it's really not going to be that big of a matchup. But I have the couch potato, Sonny Clark, with me today. Sonny, how are you? Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year to you. Everybody may home alive and kicking. That's a good thing for folks that are uh, who were out and about on the – Amateur night is what I call it. Um, 
kind of crazy people. I'll work until midnight, Sonny. I'll work work until about 11.55, and I got home just in time. I left two minutes away from work to kiss my wife, Happy New Year, and then go to bed. So that was my New Year's Eve was working. (laughs) Yeah, I fell asleep at 9.30, woke up to the... uh, to the uh, fireworks and everything going off, and I stayed up for another hour. But take away from that, uneventful, and that's just the way I prefer it. But, you know, that, that, that's just the way it is around the holiday time. Don't like to be out on the roads on uh, on a night like New Year's Eve. So, Well, Sonny, you know, you said you fell asleep last night, and when I was working I had my computer up. And and I don't know about you, but the Duke A&M game, I didn't get to watch it, but was it entertaining to you when you watched it? It looked like to me neither defense knew what was going on. What game was that? I didn't hear what you, what you said there. So it was, it was the Chick-fil-A Bowl, Texas A&M, Johnny Manziel's final game probably and against Duke. I mean, it was, it was just like a no-defense game, 52-48 the final. I mean, Duke scored on their first six possessions. I mean, it was up 21 at the half. I mean, did you get to watch that game? I Well, that's part of the reason why I fell asleep. But, yeah, take away from that, you know, it, it was more about scoring in the, 24, in the second half, especially for A&M. They score a total of 35 points in the second half, which is where it is. So they're talking about the great comeback that it was and everything else, and, um, you know, Johnny Manziel, you know, ending up doing what he did and all that and you know, all the yards he threw for in the second half, you know. Yeah, I, I you know, granted, I thought, that, you know, as far as my parlay card is still alive because I chose Duke and took the points, um, and that, that that's always good. Um, that being said, I, I thought Duke was actually going to outright win that, and it looked like that was going to happen until it came to Johnny Menzel and what people were talking about, you know, you know, you know, how will he go out? How will he be known? It almost makes me wonder that did he wait until the second half and to to make it what it was. <laughs> so, I don't know. It you know, it, it it's just that thing and uh that I guess the big question is is uh, will the guy go into the draft, or will he not? And from what I'm hearing, and just some of the things that I'm hearing, he's actually they're thinking about actually having him back next year so he can try to help his draft spot. But I hear also that he could be thought of at the number five pick, and I, I'm just not seeing it. I, I mean, I know the guy's electric, okay? But if you want electric, then, you, then you know, why are you not having a guy, you know, that just signed as a commentator, you know, out on the uh, football field, one Tim Tebow. This is what it reminds me of. I mean, if Tim Tebow can't throw the football, how can anybody think Johnny Mansell's better than than Tim Tebow and and then Tim Tebow not out on the football field? So to me, it don't make very much sense. But then again, it don't take much to confuse me. Well, I think if you're Johnny Menzel, I mean, you've besides winning a national championship, you've done it all in college. And even if he comes back next year, he's still going to lose his weapons, his offensive line. If he's smart, I think he goes to the NFL and goes ahead and he gets paid, Sonny, because you never know what can happen next year. I don't see anything he can do that would increase his draft stock. And I think his draft stock's not as high because of his size. I mean, he's not going to grow three or four inches in the next year. He's not going to – I don't think he can top what he's done in the last couple of years. So I think he needs to go pro, 
finally get Johnny Manziel out of college because I saw your post, and I'm tired of hearing about him too. Yep, and and that's the thing, you know. I want him to go in the obscurity because he's going to end up. I mean, he he's Tim. I'm sorry, he's Tim Tebow all over again. But how? But yet, this guy's going to be looked at as a guy as a formidable quarterback for your for your football team. I'm sorry. I mean, all you got to do is. I mean, uh, that's Tim Tebow, just a different. Body. Or am I wrong? Or am I missing something? I mean, it's, he's doing the exact same thing. He's a little more electric with his arm, and he makes plays with his feet. Tim Tebow was more of a leader. He could run the football. He managed games. So I, I really don't see what the difference would be between the two in the pros. I mean, I don't think either one's a pro quarterback. I could be wrong, but, you know, maybe a backup somewhere. But Johnny Manziel, I just don't see him being – I think if you use a first-round pick to get him, you're really stretching, and you're going to really put your team back several years by wasting a pick on somebody like that. I would think so, and that's where I come up with it. When I looked at it, and I was like, well, really, is that something that, you know, and there's football teams out there that are that are going to be interested in him. For what reason, I don't know. But, you know, that <laughs> still comes to the fact that, you know, I don't, obviously I'm not in the front office of an NFL um, a football team, but I, I really don't see much difference between him and uh, Tim Tebow. And if Tim Tebow evidently is not the you know the next best backup quarterback in the NFL, evidently I don't know what I'm talking about because no one in the NFL agrees with me. How Johnny Manziel is going to be a starter? Um, I and and that's the way I look at it. And and here's another thing. Tim Tebow. It's got NFL experience. He won playoff football games, and yet people are going to go with Johnny Manziel. Uh, team's going to, some team's going to go with this guy, and um, it'll be really interesting to see how it ends up happening and what goes on. And I, I and I not because I'm a Tim Tebow fan, but if this guy gets a job in the NFL and starts in the NFL, I'm going to get up on the bandwagon to bring in uh, Tim <laughs> Tebow. And I don't necessarily like him. I don't think he has the arm enough, but he should be a good backup quarterback. Um, for I mean, how many teams this year, and, and I'll ask you this, how many teams this year could have used a good backup quarterback this year and put them in a position to where maybe they would be able to make the playoffs or at least give them a better chance than the the people that were starting football games for some football teams. Yeah, and, and I I said it when when Romo went down. I don't know if you remember this. Where's Tim Tebow? Yes, I do. Because I I think he would be a perfect fit to come in for a game or, or be the backup. He's so smart. He understands how to win. That's that's something you can't teach somebody, Sonny, is how to win. Are you a game-time player, a prime-time player? And that's what Tim Tebow is. And, and Johnny Manziel, to me, I don't think he's that, honestly. I mean, he's a leader in a way, but he's nothing like Tim Tebow was on the field. I mean, there's just no comparison to me, no comparison. Johnny Manziel's a lot about himself, where Tim Tebow was about the team. And I think even in the NFL – the Broncos, I mean, even though he's not a great quarterback, I mean, the Broncos bought into him. I mean, that's kind of that's saying a lot. The Denver Broncos bought into this guy to lead them in the playoffs. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, he's the reason they made it to the playoffs. And I just don't think you'll ever see Johnny Manziel take a team the way he did and take them to the playoffs. I just don't see that, man. And maybe I'm I wrong. Don't. Maybe I'm missing it. But I don't think either one of them is an NFL starter. You know, you look at what it takes so. to start and win in the NFL, Sonny. It takes more than 
than just heart sometimes. You have to be the right size, the right fit, and just have the, you know, the Wonderlick test is given for a reason. You know, Tim Tebow yeah. did very well on that test. So there's other factors besides can you scramble around. In the NFL, they're going to kill Johnny Menzel, Sonny. He's not oh, going to yeah. be able to dance around and do that in the NFL. It's just too much speed. You saw Duke last night. I mean, imagine when he's playing the Eagles or somebody. I, I agree, and, and when you when you look at the speed of everything else, they may be able to make the plays with their legs and stuff. But I agree with you there. Neither one of them are starting quarterback materials, but that's why you have a backup. And I, I and I am really confused that we don't have a Tim Tebow as a, uh, was a backup quarterback on any uh, NFL team. Now the guy that drafted him, his name uh, is Josh McDaniels. Uh, been rumored for the Browns job. Would that be something where Tim Tebow gets the opportunity to go in and uh, try to impress Josh Daniels? But then again, Josh Daniels was up in uh, New England at the time he was trying out for that football team. Now, granted, I'm pretty sure that decision didn't come from Josh Daniels. Um, so it makes you kind of wonder what could end up happening if Josh Daniels does end up getting that uh, Browns job, which uh, it, it, I'm telling you right now, if I'm a head coach, man, uh, unless I'm really desperate, I think I'm staying away from the Cleveland Browns right now. Well, Sonny, I mean, you may be surprised that I'm not. We have Cuervo with us online. I don't have your intro, Cuervo. I'm going to get that and actually plug that into my studio one day so I can have your intro. How are you? I'm good, guys. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Well, we're talking yeah. about Tim Tebow, Cuervo. I mean, I know he's your favorite player of all time. Where does he belong right now in the NFL? Uh, he belongs on the sideline passing out Gatorade. That's where he belongs. <laughs> so where does that? So where does that leave Johnny Manziel, who should, who I'm hearing lately is uh, being considered the number five draft pick in this upcoming draft? At least that's some of the rumors I'm hearing. Uh, well, I mean that that leaves him, you know, going to a team that really needs a quarterback, and yeah, you know, we see it every year. We saw it last year. The Buffalo Bills reaching for E.J. Manuel. We saw it a couple years ago with Tampa Bay taking Josh Freeman. There's going to be a team out there, guys, that is going to get desperate and say we need to take Manziel. He's going to sell tickets as well. But, you know, believe it or not, I, I actually learned a couple things about Manziel. I, 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 I gained very minimal uh, – I, I don't want to say I gained respect, but – like. When you know when you, you when you watch somebody and you're like okay maybe it's not so bad like very 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 little did I like what I saw from Manziel last night. Now here's the problem that I have. Everybody's talking about how you know Tar in our Tarvino. I heard you mention it just a minute ago. Uh, how he's done everything except win a national title. Oh, he's legendary. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all. Slow down. He's played two years in college, okay? You want to talk legendary? Let's talk about Andrew Luck, who did four years in college. Let's talk about Peyton Manning, who did four years in college. Let's talk about some of these other guys that did a full four years of college. Those are legendary guys. Johnny Manziel is not legendary. I heard it on ESPN earlier from one of these knucklehead experts, okay? He's not legendary, all right? He's done a lot of great things. 
so far at A and M, and we don't know if he's going to, you know, get to play a third year, if he's going to play a third year or not. But let's slow down with the legendary. He's done all these great things. Yes, he's he's done some impressive things, but come on, I mean, there's there's guys that that you know have done so much more than him. Hell, even Tebow did more in college than he did. Yeah, hey, guys, I have a question, and and tell me if I'm wrong on this. This is off of Tebow and Manziel, but I'm in a, I was in a discussion with this Alabama fan, you know, talking about the Iron Bowl. And, and you know, do you all remember the 109-yard kick return that happened off the missed field goal, right, to end the game? Yeah. Um, these, these yards do not count as total yards rushing or passing for a team. Am I correct? This guy says Auburn wouldn't have had anything if it wasn't for that 109-yard kickoff return. He said that added to their rushing yards, and I'm calling him an idiot. So I, I just need to know what y'all think. Am, am I wrong here? Auburn's stats were the same going into that play and leaving the play. Nothing changed rushing or passing yards-wise. Am I correct? I think it was return yards. You got to check the return yard stats. I think that's where that would yeah. end up coming from. Oh, but I'm talking about rushing yards. He said that Auburn got 300 yards rushing because of that 109-yard play. That had nothing to do with their rushing yards. This is special teams. Well, yeah, I don't know. Right. You'd have to look at the stats of the other guys who ran the football. I don't have that in front of me. Well, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's that's really easy. All you got to do is just go to the box score and look up Chris Davis, and you know, see where they where they uh, where they counted the yards. Was it was it rushing? Was it return? Um, return. It was return yards, which has no impact on passing or rushing. These are it's like if you kick a if you get a hundred yard kickoff return, it doesn't count in your total yard stats. Now it counts as kickoff return yards, but if you look at total yards in, in college or NFL, it's rushing and passing. That's the only things they count. So if you have two kickoff returns 100 yards each, you don't get 200 yards added to your total yardage. That's what I was trying to tell the guy, but some people just don't know the game, guys, and it's hard to argue with He's people. He's an idiot. They're idiots. I can't stand it, dude. I, I can't stand dealing with people that, that don't know the rules of football or the game, so... All I can tell him it was thirty-four to twenty-eight, the final score. That's really all that matters. That's right? the only final one score. you need. Yeah, screw passing, screw rushing, screw missed field goals and turnovers. At the end of the day, who won the game? And I just had to throw that out there. Cuervo, I don't know if you're watching this Nebraska Georgia game right now. Seventeen to twelve, Nebraska. I mean, what's Georgia's problem? I mean, they look terrible today. Ah, uh, well, I mean, they can't stop the run. This, this kid Abdullah has been running all over the place, and he's, yeah, I'm sure he's either close to 100 yards or he's at 100 yards already. But they're just not—they're just not able to stop them defensively, and um, you know, it's—it's it's really hurting uh, Georgia because they need—they're going to get in a situation where they're going to have to put points up every possession, and I just don't know if that's going to happen. Wow, Nebraska just threw a 90. Five-yard touchdown passes. We're just talking. It was third and fourteen. They're inside their own five-yard line, Sonny, and Nebraska just hits a ninety-nine-yard touchdown reception. Wow! Yeah, I, I I heard that. I'm actually watching it on the play-by-play on not on the TV, but on the uh, on the uh, internet and stuff. So 
um, yeah, they're about ready to uh, take it even a step further. I, I didn't when I looked at this game. I didn't really expect much from Nebraska in this game, but I think I agree with Cuervo about what we're seeing in, as far as Georgia is concerned. Well, well let's let's not forget Aaron Murray, Georgia's quarterback, is not playing. He he tore his ACL in the Georgia Tech game, uh, but still Nebraska's playing with a backup too. So, you know, I'm, I like pulling for the SEC guys, but it, it always makes me feel a little better to see Georgia lose if they're going to because uh, I live in Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia. And, and you know, you know, you talked about the Cowboys, Sonny, all the time, how their fans are, are hypnotized and, and how they're just followers. That's how Georgia fans are. They're happy to be at the Gator Bowl right now. They're very enthusiastic about it. We'll get you next year. We'll, we'll come back next year. That's all you hear, but it's, it's always pleasurable to to watch Georgia lose, but <laughs> hey guys, let's, let's let's talk a little bit about um, the Houston Texans. Going to hire Bill O'Brien, Sonny. I know you didn't think he was the right fit for that job. So, has anything changed in your mind about this? Uh, I don't know about much about Bill O'Brien except he did a good job at New England being a a coordinator, I guess. But then coaching Penn State and coaching Houston is two different things. Well, for O'Brien. That's the move you make. I mean, let's be honest. You still want to get away. You want to distance yourself from Penn State. I mean, uh, it's still going to be under the gun. And he did a great job as far as what he did when he went in there after all the mess that, that happened over in Penn State. you got to give him that. But, man, oh, man, I question the, the ownership of the Texans. I question... Um, what they may or may not do, especially defensively, will Wade Phillips be on that football team, which I think he should be? Um, will Will Wade Phillips be able to swallow that nut? You know, we got this, you know, college guy coming in here now, and he's going to take over this team. Will he listen to me? Or how that will uh, apply towards an ego situation with, uh, with Wade Phillips. I, I'm just not seeing that guy taking that job, especially if that franchise thinks that it's going to take that next step forward, which is either, you know, making it far in the playoffs. And I just don't see it with that coach. Cuervo, I mean, I don't know much about him, how he'll do. How do you think he's going to fit in Houston? I mean, this is a team that was picked by some to, to go to the Super Bowl this year. So he has a lot of pieces in place there. I mean, do you think this is a good fit? Well, I think potentially it could be, and I and I, I think a big reason why they chose Bill O'Brien is because of the experience that he's had working with quarterbacks in the past. I mean, all you got to do is, is look at number 12 in New England, and he worked with, with, with him, and I think the big thing that they saw is, well, you know, Matt Schaub lost all his confidence this year, and this is a guy that could probably come in and get him going again, so... You know, all the talk about Matt Schaub going here and there. I don't think he goes anywhere, guys. I think he stays in Houston. I think Bill O'Brien works with the kid, or not the kid. Wow. But, you know, I mean, Matt Schaub's a veteran, and, and I think I think that he gets him, you know, in the, you know, going back in the right direction, and and Houston gets back to, um, you know, where they where they were before, and and on top of that, I mean, hell, they get the number one pick. I mean, Houston. Houston's going to be back, guys. This is not going to be a slow 
uh, you know, build up getting back into the AFC. If this is going to be instant, like they're going to next year, they'll probably back in the be back in the playoffs, barring any major injuries. Yeah, I mean, a good opportunity for him, Sonny. I mean, he can play the hero very easily. This is a team that's not as bad as their record. If you look at it, he gets into the playoffs next year. He he may get a little too much hype, don't you think? I think so, yes. And, you know, I would be surprised. I mean, I, I don't know who Houston would go for. I mean, I think Houston kind of falls into that Tony Romo situation. Who, if you get rid of Tony Romo, for who? You know, and I think you get the same thinking with Matt Schaub if he stays there. But I think obviously Matt Schaub is a little bit more replaceable than uh, than Tony Romo, just because of stats. So I I don't know. I I look at that whole situation down in Houston. What they're going to do at quarterback is probably going to be the most important. Obviously, obviously outside of hiring their coach, it's got to be the most important decision that they're going to make. And how is that actually going to put itself out on the football field? And I think that's the – I think that's when I look at the Houston Texans, who they hire. Is that – did they actually hire him or is he still in – is that a done deal where they hired that guy from Penn State or is it still just rumored? Well, I know they've offered him the job, and, and he they they said he's going to accept it. But like you said, Sonny, you never know until until they sign that dotted line. But guys, they have the first pick in the draft, and Bridgewater announced today from Louisville that he's coming out. So I think you get rid of everybody over there, and you you draft Bridgewater Cuervo, and and you let him start. I think he's NFL ready to to lead this team. What do you think? Or do you think I'm stretching a little bit? No way, Tarvino. That- Houston drafting Bridgewater would be the biggest mistake they can make, okay? First of all, I think the guy's overrated to begin with. I mean, yep. he struggled, <laughs> he struggled against some, some mediocre defenses. Let, let's, let's be honest here. I know everybody fell in love with him because of what he did against Florida last year in the Sugar Bowl. Um, but how did, he, how did he, you know, do for an encore? He came out, he had a good year, but he also struggled against mediocre teams with mediocre defenses. So uh, I think I think if Houston keeps the number one pick, it would be the biggest mistake they could make taking Bridgewater uh, with that pick. Well, I tried to set him up, Sonny. I was trying to do what he does to me all the time. and uh, Yeah. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't work. I, I've been saying about Bridgewater all along. He's not a – I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. You don't waste a first-round pick with him. So, so Sonny Cuervo was right on this one. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. He was right and I think and I agree with what he said. This the the guy who he is and what, what he brings and him going over to, you know, the Houston Texans, I think that would shoot them completely in the foot as far as their I mean, obviously if they did something that nuts it would it, it would tell people that they're looking more towards the future more so than this year and in this upcoming season. Yeah. Exactly. They're not a rebuilding team right now. They have the pieces in place. So, so Sonny, tell me what you do with this draft pick if you're Houston right here. I, I'm with Cuerpo. I think if you keep that and use it, you're crazy. You could get so much right now because there's some teams out there that would love to have Bridgewater and take a chance on him or Manziel, Clowney, some of these guys. What does Houston need to do with this pick? I think Houston needs to find – the best player at that position, I think they need to keep the pick. And I get what you're saying. Um, I, but at the same time, 
It, it just depends on what the thinking will be in Houston right now. Will it be a quarterback? Are they going to spend that pickup on a quarterback? If it is, do you go ahead and just grab up the guy where you're going to be sitting right there? But I, I look at what's coming out, and no offense to any of the players that are coming out, they're not Andrew Luck. Okay, these guys that are coming out of college, they're, they're not that number one guy. Um, that you, when you look at their mechanics and look at what they've done in college, and you say, oh, that's your number one guy. There are too many other people they're talking about as far as the number one guy, and I think that that's one of the problems. And that could be a way where they could trade out of the first round or the first pick, trade down, and still grab up a quarterback if that's what they're in mind. But, I, you know, it, it just all depends on what the Houston Texans feel that their needs are going to be. And we're not going to know what those needs are going to be. And that's another thing. When I look at the bringing in a guy, okay, that is, you know, coming out of the college ranks, didn't play out on that football field, and didn't really, let's be honest, college coaches probably don't have enough time to keep track of, you know, NFL teams. They may not know what needs to be done, and then he's going to depend upon the front office or the general manager there to tell them what needs to uh, happen on that football t- field. And I think that's a problem. I think you need a coach that was engrossed enough into the NFL that knows what Houston's going to need, or at least they have an idea. Now, granted, they'll probably overflow him with a lot of, uh, of film and everything else, but when you see things in film compared to regular season and using and thinking about the time that the NFL season is, I think that I think that, that experience and that time is the experience that I think someone would need to take in order to figure out what you need for the Houston Texans. Because right now, when I look at them, I don't necessarily know what they need. I, I, do they need the quarterback? Some people say yes. Do they need, do, do they need help on the offensive line to protect the quarterback? Uh, you know, it just all depends. I mean, and I don't know, Cuervo, what do you think Houston needs to actually do? Do they need to take that quarterback, or do they need to go elsewhere out on the football field as far as what you've seen so far this season? Uh, I think they go somewhere else, honey. And depending on how the, the end of this day goes out, I'm telling you right now, and I know it's going to sound like the funniest thing we've ever heard, but do not be surprised if Houston throws the idea around of taking one Jadavian Clowney number one. I know. Yes, I, know. I would. I would. A horrible year. I mean, I, I get it. He had a horrible year. He's not, you know, he's lazy. But I mean, they should, you know, I've seen, you know, some film on him where he just, you know, stops playing in the middle of a play. So would it be a mistake? Probably. But it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they actually went for it. Now, there's some other guys out there that, that they could probably go after. I mean, you could talk about, you know, how good is their offensive line? Are they, are they happy with the offensive line? You've got Jake, uh, Jake Matthews out of A&M. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, some other guys that they, you know, the, the UCLA linebacker could be somebody they could look at. Um, so I don't think they go quarterback if they keep the number one pick. They're going to look at some other areas that, that they really need, you know, they need people. So I don't think they use it on a quarterback. Sorry, Cujo's loose. <laughs> I don't think he liked what I said very much. He, he, he woke up from his nap. He heard you talking about, about Clowney. 
and here he is. But I think Brown is an instant game changer, guys. Maybe I'm wrong, but Houston would be great to be able to get him. He's the best player in the draft. Sorry. You you guys go ahead real quick. Let me quieten him down. No, no. He's – hey, I I like hearing from Cujo. But I I agree with you. But, you know, the clowny situation, I don't know. I mean, geez, that was – I mean, I looked at A. Cuervo, I looked at that, and I watched the guy, and I hear what everybody's saying, and I know the guy was a monster a year before, but, man, what does that tell you about the guy himself as he's about ready to be drafted? I mean, you know, what did he put out on the football field that made everybody go, whoa, we need to have that guy, except for what he did the year before. I get why people would be jacked up about him um, from the year before, but right now, after – Seeing the year before and seeing last year, you know, that creates – you have great and then bad, and that right there really just makes you average, at least over the last two years in reality, unless there's something that we don't know about Clowney. What was going on with him? Was he injured? Was he 100%? Hell, who knows? I, I don't know. What do you look at when – I mean, it, it sounds like you think Clowney is a lock for that number one pick, and I don't know if I go that route if I'm the Houston Texans. I, I don't know. I, I, that's yet another thing. I don't keep track of, uh, you know, right now I'm not sure who and what the most important need is out for Houston except outside of quarterback because it's a quarterback league. See, I, I don't think needs are – I mean, I, I, know, I, get, I know needs are important, but when you got the first overall pick and you keep that, you've got to get the best player available, in my opinion. If you need him or not, you can get him and then trade him or something. I don't know, but go after Clowney. I, I don't see anybody out there that can change a game as quick as he can. He's NFL ready, and, and I think, Cuervo, that he's really eased off this year because he realized he was ready. He would have been the first pick last year in the draft. And I think he realized he just had to stay healthy and bide his time. And I think that's why you've seen uh, the, the numbers decline. And also, people are paying attention to Clowney now after last year. Everybody's wanting to – they're giving him his A game. They're triple teaming him. And so he can't do everything that he'd be able to do in the NFL. Yeah, and, and I think another thing, too, is, is – and this is not to make excuses for the kid, but, you know, the foot injury that he's been dealing with um, – you know, he, he he talked about how it's been bugging him and things like that. And I mean, hell, when when you play when you play defensive end, I mean, obviously you need your feet. So I mean, that might have something to do with it as well. But um, I mean, you're right though. I mean, it, it, he's he's a guy that and I and Sonny asked, well, what's the main concern with him? I think it's his. You know, he just he tends to get. He's like the Randy Moss of defense. He, he plays when he wants to play, and he takes plays off. And and you cannot do that. You know, he, I mean, Randy Moss, he was already established in his, you know, in the NFL. And not that not that it makes it okay. I'm just saying, this, you know, with Clowney still being in college, that's a huge red flag for 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 NFL teams. If if you want somebody to draft you, you have to go out there and you have to show that you're not lazy, that you're willing to work to, you know, make it to the NFL. And even if you are the number one pick, I mean, as we've seen in the past with guys like Jamarcus Russell and and guys like that, you know, doesn't guarantee that you're going to stay in the NFL for 10 years. That guy, that guy went, what, three seasons in Oakland, and then he was gone. So you yep. have to continue to work. That motor has to continue to go. And, 
that's probably the biggest concern on him is, is you know, what motivates him to continue to play hard. And, I mean, you, you throw him a bunch of millions of dollars, I don't know how motivated he's going to be after that. That's, that's my biggest concern for him. Well, you know, rookies don't make the same money, uh, Sonny, as, you know, like Cam Newton's working out a deal right now trying to. You have to go three years, and I think you can get a new deal. So you can get clowny for pretty cheap and not really take too much of a risk on him, can't you? Uh, well, right now you can, yeah, and because of those changes and stuff, because I think Clowney probably would demand some big bucks as he's coming out, and that's where I think that he would fall into what uh, Cuervo was talking about. Uh, so the fact that they had that rookie uh, salary and everything else, all that changed and everything. Last one that got, if I'm not mistaken, was Sam Bradford. Um, so those changes within makes it easy, or not necessarily easy, but an almost a no-brainer in reality to grab up a guy that could be that guy, and you don't have to spend the money on him. But um, when it comes to that rookie salary and everything else, um, it it is something that you got to take a look at, and there's a chance at the same time if this guy goes you know absolutely crazy within his first three years, what will he demand after the third year? So, um, but yeah, the initial chance on him, you might want to take that shot at him. So that, that that's a good point. I I don't know what the new rookie salary is, and I, I don't I haven't kept up with it because it doesn't really change much of how teams are. Um, you know, at least his draft order, but I definitely think that it definitely changed some of the thinking for some of the teams when they go after players. They can say, well, now we can go after that guy more so than Sam Bradford. Do we want to spend $42 million on a quarterback? So it definitely brings it back down to earth. Yeah, and another thing in the NFL, uh, on Cuervo, is Cam Newton's up. Is, is he gonna, are they going to sign Cam? Are they going to be able to afford it? And What kind of money do you think Cam's going to be asking for? Remember, Greg Hardy's up, too. So if they give Cam too much money, they won't be able to sign Hardy. And then you have Keekly and, and all these other guys, Cuervo. So I guess Carolina's at a crossroads right now. So who do you give the money to, Cam Newton or Hardy? Oh, I, I, don't think, I don't even think that's close. Tarvina, you have to give it to Cam. I mean, Absolutely. you don't win in the NFL without a quarterback. I mean, <clears throat> I don't even know, um, you know, why that would even be a question uh, if you're the Carolina Panthers. I think you absolutely, if you have to cut ties with Greg Hardy, then, you know, it, it is what it is. But there's, I mean, you can you can find another pass rusher. I mean, they're, <laughs> I don't want to say they're a time a dozen, but name me. You know, you name me a good pass rusher, and you know I'll give, I'll give you a franchise quarterback. So I mean, which one would you rather have? Exactly. I, I just, the reason I'm asking, I hear a lot of people discussing that right now. But and my words exactly was, you don't make the playoffs and win without a good quarterback and, and a franchise quarterback at that. You can, Sonny. I mean, how many teams would kill out there for a chance to have Cam Newton as their quarterback? He's not great, but it seems like. He's getting better and moving this team in the right direction. And granted, the defense has helped, but you can't all of a sudden let Greg Hardy make a lot of money because he decided to show up for a couple of games. Cam Newton's done it for three years straight. Well, well, he didn't show up in his second year, but he showed that he could bounce back off a year. So that's something that oh. is a good thing in reality. Take away from that, I, you know, you know me, I'm quarterback. I mean, there's no more – I mean, if you got to – if you've got to lose a position, 
um, you you can't lose your quarterback. And depending upon what Carolina looks at or is got in their plans, and if if Cam Newton is not part of that plan, I think they need to get their heads examined. Um, Cam Newton, he may not be, you know, the best one that's out there, but that's another that still. Who else are you going to have? And plus, never mind if you're if you're the Panthers. In reality, I'll even go one stretch further than that. I love Hardy, but God, you better give Cam Newton someone to throw the football to, and you better find yep. a way to get somebody in there with some money that you can get him to. Again, Hardy, great player, will make a difference on any other football team, but. When you are the Panthers, I think you've got to look offensively, especially since your defense is so good already. Now, granted, Hardy is a part of that, but you could lose that cog and fill it at 70% and get a, you know, offensive monster to help you in the wide receiving position. Yeah, Cuervo, we saw Steve Smith go out, and, 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 they, and I've seen it all season, this offense – need some playmakers on it. You you need somebody that can go out and get the ball. Steve Smith's a good receiver, but he should never be your number one. And and in the draft this year, do you think Carolina addresses those needs? I mean, I'm, I haven't looked at everybody available, but it looks like to me Carolina's set everywhere, but they just need some help with wide receivers. If you're number one right now is a tight end, you're going to struggle. And I feel if Carolina doesn't have Steve Smith in the playoffs, they're going to run into a brick wall. So how do they attack this draft, Cuervo? They've done a very good job in the years past. I think this year is very important. Oh, I think it is too. And, I mean, like you said, I mean, the aging Steve Smith is your number one receiver. Um, that's not going to get it done here in the next couple of years because you got to imagine, just look at the division alone in the, in the NFC South. You know, you still got New Orleans. I, I mean, Atlanta's going to be back, guys. Atlanta's going to be back. You know, they, they just, you know, they lost, they lost Julio Jones and they forgot how to play football. So I expect the Falcons to be good again next year. And, again, New Orleans. And then and you don't have to, have to worry about Tampa Bay. They're not going to be a threat for, for a while. But, um, you know, you just look in the division alone, you've got two teams that are capable of winning 12 games a, a year. So, Addressing that right away is something that the Panthers are going to have to do. And, I mean, obviously you got a couple of good receivers that I can think of off the top of my head that, you know, Carolina should look into. I mean, obviously uh, Sammy Watkins out of Clemson, and you got Marquise Lee out of USC. Everybody forgets about him because of the injury that he had early in the season. But, I mean, this is still a guy that, you know, has a – you know, he's a big, he's a big, he's a big receiver. He's what is he? He's like six foot four, and I mean, he's got the NFL body. He's got the you know of an NFL receiver. So those are two guys. His speed would probably be the only thing I'd be concerned with. But other than that, he's he's pretty much what you want in a receiver: size, hands, and um, he can break some tackles. So either you can go with a with a guy like Watkins, who's got the speed. Uh, not necessarily so much the size, or you can take the size with Lee, and, and you know obviously you can work on the speed. But um, those are probably two guys. If I'm the Panthers, I'm looking into. Well, Sonny, I know we talked some NFL, but I know Cuervo's favorite game today is probably Michigan State and Stanford. Is is it just me? Uh, and first, I want to know if you're looking forward to that game and what you're looking forward to it about it. But have these bowl games just 
lost their luster to you? Because I'm just not as pumped up about bowl season as I have been in the years past. It's because too many crappy teams are sitting there playing in a bowl game. I mean, how many were there this year? I mean, it, it, it really does. It takes away. It, it, it's almost like having a league, and, and I, I'll put it on the indoor football league level for you. It's almost like having an indoor football league where you have you know nine good football teams and the other 12 aren't worth a shit. And that, and I think that's what you you kind of look at the bowl games are. These bowl games are not even worth taking the time to watch. Um, they take those out. I think they probably generate more interest to the bigger games and things like that. And this is where ESPN, I think, probably has way too much influence on what is seen out on the, seen on the TV. I really do. I, and. You know, ESPN is always good for us because we get to see that college game during the season and everything else. But when it comes down to the bowl season and things like that, it just gets too much. Now, the question that I have, and you guys, I think you guys have probably, what's going to happen to all those bowl games? Are they going to continue with the playoff, or how is that going to work, or is it even? And then at that point, will you even be interested in those bowl games once they start the playoff way? I think Cuervo, maybe I'm wrong, but the the bowl games are going to stay put. The only difference is we're, they're going to have a committee to pick four teams and two teams play in one BCS bowl, the other two play in another BCS bowl, and the champion meets in one, just kind of like, like right now, I guess. Is there any kind of change I'm missing here, Cuervo? Because I think everything's going to be business as usual. Yeah, I think so too, uh, Tarvino, but – um, I think it's going to be the, I want to say, the Sugar and the Fiesta. I could be wrong, but they're going to pick two bowl games to have the top four teams play each other. And then on uh, next January, it, and this will be down in, in Sunny's area, down in Arlington is where they're going to play the national championship game. Started off wow. at Cowboys Stadium. Funny. I know Jerry Jones will be there taking credit for it. Um, maybe by then, Sonny, they'll have a strip club inside the stadium. That's what yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, I mean, the Stanford-Michigan State game, and, and Cuervo said it, Sonny, long before, as soon as the matchup, this was probably the best game besides the national championship game out there. Are you excited to get to watch old-style football, really, in a day like we play today, all about offense, spreads, hurry-up offenses? You get two teams that are going to line up and knock the crap out of each other. I'm excited for 5 o'clock today so I can watch this Rose Bowl. Well, the Rose Bowl is going to be one of those games that I take a look at and I go, thank goodness, finally, it's a real game. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know <laughs> coming up to, to everything else, you know, you go, oh, my gosh, you know, you know, no offense against Nebraska. Nebraska now is getting whacked. What? I mean, what's the score now? I forget what it is. But, they're um, they're 24-19. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, finally, I, I could take a look at the Rose Bowl and say, you know, I'm I'm very I'm very glad something is going to be going on and say it, and it'd be really good, isn't it? That Capital One Bowl, Rose Bowl is that what it is or something like that? It's a Vizio Rose Bowl or something. I don't I don't know what it is, uh, but I know Tostitas Fiesta Bowl. I've been there. I wanted to go watch Auburn play in the national championship, Cuervo. Just can't afford it really right now. But 
I'm excited, Squervo. Give us your thoughts on Michigan State. They lost their linebacker. This is the biggest game so far of all the bowls. We got two tonight. We have the Fiesta with Baylor Central Florida. Is this uh, Art Bryles' campaign, Cuervo, to see if he's, he's going to leave Baylor? Because I have a feeling, as hot as his name is, he puts a beat down on Central Florida. He could be leaving Baylor. <clears throat> yeah, and you'll find him in the Capitol uh, with his old quarterback, RG3. That's what I think he's going to do if he decides oh, to, go no. to, uh, to go pro. No. That would tell Washington fans that he runs this team, RG3 does. You can't let your little high school and college coach come and bail you out. Come on. <laughs> hey, I've seen, I've seen crazier things happen, so you never know. But, um, yeah. I mean, if he doesn't go to Washington, I don't see him going anywhere else, to be honest. Um, but I, I look at the Rose Bowl, and uh, you're going to see – if you're if you're into that old school smash mouth low scoring defensive battles, then this is the game for you. And I just I just like the teams, you know I just like the matchup. I mean, I think it's going to be the reason I like this game so much is because I think I think they're evenly matched. It's not going to be a blowout, and uh, you know it's just going to be an entertaining game. So that's why I like this game so much. But See, I think it is going to be a blowout. Cuervo, I think it is going to be bigger than people think. Because of, I just think, and Sonny, tell me if I'm wrong, I think Stanford is built for games like this. And looking at looking at how they play in the style, Michigan State hasn't impressed me on offense. And I think that's where Stanford's going to really, their defense is going to control Michigan State. Without their linebacker, I don't think they can hold Stanford, Sonny, down. I think Stanford wants to use this as a stage to, for next year to kind of catapult them up in the top five going into next year. I think Stanford wins. I mean, when I say blowout, I mean by 10 points or more. I don't mean 40 points or anything. Yeah, Stanford. Stanford's real, you know, if you really look at it, you know, their real strength is the defensive side of the ball. Um, they're top of the Pac-12 uh, in points only 18 uh, points a game. I mean, so but that's within their own conference, so it goes up into another one. But um, when you look at Stanford's offense, they weren't the most, you know, dominating offense in the Pac-12 uh, this season. Uh, 33 points is a lot of points, but... I think it's more about the yards in reality, 431 yards a game. Um, so, you know, when – so even though they may not be like – I mean, thirty, like I said, 33 points is a lot of points. That I, I don't want to, like, shake a stick at that. Um, but I think it's the fact of the matter that this team scores on 90% of the uh, time when they're in the red zone. So if that team's going to get in the red zone, they're going to score somehow. <clears throat> And the question will be is will they be able to put, put it in the end zone or are they going to end up kicking field goals for the, rat, for the whole thing? That's where the Michigan State defense comes uh, and you start talking about it. And, and I, I say what you want, um, that defense handled Ohio State, you know, in, the, um, yep. in that championship game. I mean, they owned them. Um, so even though, even though they, they allowed 24 points to to score, I think that's what Michigan State's going to have to do is keep them underneath 24 points in order for them to get the victory. Um, when I look at how how 
good the offense is and just the workhorse that Sanford's offense is, I think they can get that 24 points. And I think it's going to be, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than a blowout or 10 points. I think you're you're looking at a field goal game here tonight, and I, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be good. I'm hoping for Michigan State to get the victory, but I like both of these teams. I I think both of these teams put on a great exhibition this year, and they deserve to be where they are, and that even includes Michigan State. And if you think about it, no one was even really talking about them throughout the season. Yeah, and Cuervo, looking at Stanford's two losses, Utah and Southern Cal, the common factor they have is they're very physical up front, and maybe Stanford doesn't like playing that way against them. Maybe they like to do that to people, but I think Michigan State's a team they can match their physical toughness and, and cause them some some big issues, really, because they don't play teams like that in the Pac-12 conference. Now they get to play the best defense probably in the country right now in Michigan State. Right. Yep. Yeah, the best the best country or the best defense in the country though, without their starting middle linebacker. And that that concerns me. If you know you're going for Michigan State in this game, and I think I think what you're going to see is you're going to see Stanford run the ball, then they're going to run the ball, and then they're going to run the ball. And I think that's the way Stanford wears this defense down is just, you know, like I said, just run it down their throat, and then when you're not expecting it, boom, they're going to hit them. you hit them with the play action. And, and I think that's, that's how Stanford starts this game out. And, um, you know, it, it's from there it's going to be all about investment. I mean – and, I mean, I think another thing, too, and it's fair, and I don't care what, what he's already said, but, you know, let's, let's ask this question. Um, is this David Shaw's last game as Stanford's head coach? Wow, that's a good question. Funny, is it? I, I, think, I, I, I think he could be in the runoff for some of those NFL, for some of those NFL openings that would be it, but – it wouldn't be one of the big name teams, you know, uh, or even for that matters, Texas is also something that uh, you know there there are a lot of open jobs right now, and oh man, I don't know, you know, I it, it, it is it's going to be it, it, it'll come down. Well, what do you think? Will it come down to money? Because you know, call me a pessimist. Uh, but uh, uh, when I think about that situation, I think it's got to come down to the money that before he ends up taking uh, taking anything else anywhere else. Well, Shaw seems to me, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, he seems like a professional kind of coach. He's not much about the emotion of college football, you know, all the recruiting and everything. I think he's a businessman, and to me, businessmen belong in the NFL. That's that's where the best coaches are usually. Team player coaches that stay in college. You look at Shashevsky in basketball. You look at Saban right now, and some of these coaches, Urban Meyer. They want, they love the recruiting. They like the 365 day work. Just, uh, but also they just love kids, and I think that's a difference. Shaw seems like to me he's a businessman, and and he he wants money. Of course, I mean the NFL doesn't pay much more than some of these college programs. Stanford will try to keep him, but. At the end of the day, Cuervo, tell me if I'm wrong, I think Shaw wants to be in the NFL. I mean, he's a Harbaugh disciple right now, and Harbaugh's doing so well in the NFL. I think he has a shot, too. You know, and I think that's and I think that's what you look at. You look at the people that were around him and where they are now, maybe he just feels like, well, maybe I'm 
limiting myself. And here, here's a scenario for you guys, and, and I know Sonny's going to be all over this one. I could see a scenario and tell me if I'm wrong, if I'm crazy, if I you know, you know, need, to, need to have another beer or something. But um, I could <laughs> see a scenario where David Shaw, and, and this all depends on one of Sonny's favorite coaches, Ken Wisenhunt. If Ken Wisenhunt leaves San Diego and goes on to be an, uh, a head coach somewhere, what if David Shaw was to take that offensive coordinator spot in San Diego? Would you think that'd be something he'd be interested in? Mm, well, Shaw, a defensive coordinator, you said? Offensive no, coordinator offensive. if uh, oh, if, uh, no. Wiz, if Wizzy left. I, I don't think he'd be for a coordinator job. I think he'd be, yeah, I think he'd be leaving for the head coaching position. And if he wasn't going to get the head coaching position, he might as well stay in college. I, I, at least I think that. I, you know, yeah. granted, I don't know much more about it, but if I look at his popularity, I, I think he could get that NFL start. That being said, okay, I think maybe me, if I was in the shoes. Now, granted, I know nothing about that whole situation. But I do know the success of a new head coach, you don't always get the Chip Kelly success. You you sometimes fall up on your face. I wonder if I think maybe I do take that job myself so I can learn a bit a little bit about the um the NFL before I take a jump into something I know nothing about. So I you know, I don't know. It, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, looking at him as a coordinator guy, like like Sonny says, I don't think you leave a job like Stanford. Now, if you're at Arkansas State or somewhere as a coach and, and you've got a chance to, to be a coordinator in the NFL, you take it. But his stock is as high as it's ever going to be, really, at Stanford right now. So I think if you want to go to the NFL, you strike while the iron's hot because Cuervo, he's one season away from not even being mentioned anymore. He comes back next year and loses – three or four games, then he missed his chance. Right now with as many jobs open in the NFL, I don't care which job it is. You take it and you and you see what you can do. And if you fail, you can always come back to college. We've seen that happen before too, Cuervo. No, you're absolutely right. And, and, and I think the, and the reason I say offensive coordinator spot in San Diego is because that would be the highest position he held, you know, during his time in the NFL. He's He's been in the NFL in the past, uh, but he was a he was nothing more than a quarterback, wide receiver coach. That's that's all he was. And I mean, I think I think going from you know head coach at Stanford to an I mean offensive coordinator. I mean, I don't see. I mean, I get what you're saying as far as you have to make him a head coach. But at the same time, I, I think that when you, the only experience you have in the NFL is being a quarterback or a wide receiver coach, I mean, that's that's almost setting him up for failure, guys. So I think even even a guy like Shaw, I think you have to start him off, you know, something a little a little smaller. And I think I think being in San Diego, where he's from, by the way, uh, as the offensive coordinator, I think it would be a good spot for him. So, well, how, but, how about the money, Cuervo? The money, though. How, how many coordinators are going to make four or five million a year? He's not going to take a pay cut uh, to go be a coordinator. Yeah, and that's probably why it won't happen. I, you know, it's just a scenario that I threw out there. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Um, 
But I mean, you know, you look at you look around the league, you look who's who's been you know axed, and uh, you know, I mean, I don't yeah. see him, I don't see him being able to handle the situation at in Detroit. You know, too many discipline problems. They need they need a they need to lay the hammer down type of coach in, in in Detroit. And I don't think Shaw is that guy. Like you said, he's more of a business guy. He's more laid back from what I've seen. So I don't think he'd be a good fit in Detroit. You look at. Uh, you look at Washington. I mean, who wants to play for, or who wants to, you know, coach and work for a guy who, you know, the owner who's always got his hands in everything. So that probably that's not a good fit for anybody. I mean, this just going to Washington, you're you're asking to not be successful. And uh, you know, you look at some of the other uh, areas. Uh, Minnesota might be a spot for him. I mean that that might not be the worst thing. I mean, hell, he's you know he could be somebody that could help this offense turn around and and they might be able to find themselves a quarterback and they might be able to uh, you know compete again in the NFC in the NFC North. But I mean, I could see him going to Minnesota. Uh, who, who else? The Houston jobs already taken. Uh, you've got the. Let's see. Well, what other what other jobs are out there? I, I mentioned Detroit, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, T- Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. Oh boy, <laughs> I guess Tampa Bay wouldn't be the worst thing for him, right? I mean, that that's that's a that's a franchise that's you know still needs to rebuild. Um, so that, I mean, I think either Tampa Bay or Minnesota would probably be the best spots for him if he does make the jump. I would love to coach in Detroit, Sonny. Looking at what they have right now, they have the receiver, best player in football just about. They have a franchise quarterback, Reggie Bush, running back. They have a defensive line. They could change games. I mean, who's going to be the Detroit head coach, Sonny? That would be a great job to have right now, I think. Well, I think I, I, I think that just all depends on what you think at the quarterback position, guys. I mean, do do you do you trust Matthew Stafford? And if you trust Matthew Stafford, that's a job to have. Here's the but but right now, really in reality, um, you know, if you trust Calvin Johnson more than you trust you know Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford's a five thousand yard um, player in this game. Okay, and that's because of who he has on the other end of the football. I, you know, I, I look at Matthew Stafford, and I watched him this year, especially during this time, you know, where there's no Aaron Rodgers for what seven games, and, and this, this team takes a fold. And I watched him closely this year, and I think you have to look at him and question whether or not he has a lot of skills except for just throwing it up and you know letting Calvin Johnson come down with it. How about getting the ball to the corner in the end zone when it has to be there instead of letting Calvin Johnson make up for a mistake that you made by throwing the football short mm-hmm. or whatever. His accuracy, I think, is really called into play when you look at Matthew Stafford. And uh, without a Calvin Johnson, Matthew Stafford is just somebody, I think, that fades away in the you know, oblivion, uh, oblivion because I don't know if he's all that accurate or if he's all that good in reality. And I hate to say that because I like Matthew Stafford. I like the Detroit Lions, but I think they may be lacking right there. 
Well, you look at Detroit, and I think Stafford struggles at times because he, he seems like to me he plays undisciplined and he makes some boneheaded mistakes. But I think that that's to do with the leadership of the team. Don't you think, Cuervo? I look at Detroit, and it's like they're all – you remember those few years where they were getting arrested every week and, and they just never seemed like a team that, that really played together. And I think if he had the right person come and work with him, I think Stafford – to be one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. I think this is a very important hire who they get. It's got to be somebody that's a no-nonsense kind of head coach that, that doesn't put up with the BS all the time. And he, he makes them follow the rules and makes them play together. I mean, what do you think, Cuervo? I think Stafford could be a top five. Well, I mean, I think he could too, but it's just he needs a lot of help, guys. I mean, he needs some he needs some Without serious question. Coaching, he needs some serious coaching and mentoring, and he needs to. I think he needs to. Uh, how do I say it? You know, kick some bad habits. Okay. Yeah. And he needs somebody that's gonna somebody that's gonna reteach him how to throw the ball and things like that. Because right now, I mean, he's got he's got all the strength in the world. Uh, you know, arm strength, and and that's something you can't teach. But what you can teach are mechanics. And his mechanics are they're they're bad. Okay, so uh, you get yourself a guy, you get yourself a coach that knows how to work with quarterbacks and knows how to teach good mechanics. Because Stafford, he makes a lot of mistakes, guys. He throws off of his back foot, and he does a lot of these bonehead things, and that's what causes all the turnovers. So um, I think that's what you have if you bring that into Detroit. Now, I think the Lions is a team that, you know, could put up potentially 30 points a game. See, and I, I, I think, Sonny, that's where Shaw comes in. I think that's where Shaw could come in and do some wonders with Matthew Stafford in the discipline of this team. You look at Stanford, they're a very disciplined football team, and it could be because they're smart. You know, you can't discount you're getting 4.0 students on your football team. But yeah. I, I still think he can carry that reputation with him to the NFL and I believe the players would buy into it. I mean, he, he's a good football coach. I I agree with you hundred percent. By the way, I'm calling. I'm going to go ahead and hang in. I'm calling in on uh, Skype because my phone's really buzzing, really bad, and it's driving me nuts. So I'll be. Oh, I, so just uh, let me know when you switch over. All right, you're switched, honey. Okay. All right, and. So, you know, maybe it will be. Maybe that's something that could end up happening that could help him. Um, you know, I, I agree with Curvo. I, it just, just don't, I mean, I like the whole one thing that's going on, that, you know, but I, I have to question the quarterback position. So Cuervo's a... Cuervo seems to me like a Matthew Stafford fan, kind of like he is a Tebow and Manziel fan, so we'll have to... Check out the next move for, for Cuervo here. Well, guys, I, don't, I, don't, I, know, I, know, I know we haven't talked much about this game, but I, I want your opinion on it. And the Auburn-Florida State game next Monday night, I just needed an opinion from you guys. I look at conferences, and I see them play. I see the ACC, all the teams that Florida State beat, Sonny, and it just seems like they're getting destroyed in these bowl games for the most part. How much – are you putting into ACC versus SEC in this matchup, or are you just looking at the two teams? 
I'm looking at the I'm looking at the teams, and just to let you know, folks, when you do use the Skype, there's like a two second delay. So, um, but no, I'm looking more the teams in reality when I look at, at those. I don't know. Maybe Cuervo might think differently uh, when you look at the uh, look at the national championship. But I I look at I look at Florida State, and I, I I've been dreadful. Because I love I, I love Tarvino, but I I think Auburn could be in some trouble a little bit today uh, when they come to uh, January sixth. Uh, Florida State is a scoring machine, um, and I think they could match Auburn. Um, I kind of Florida State kind of reminds me of Peyton Manning. When you have a team going up against you, I don't think it matters in reality if your defense can hold. It's just a matter if you can outscore the other team. I think what happens is I don't think Auburn can keep up with Florida State in the scoring. That's what that's what scares me about Auburn going up against Florida uh, Florida State. So, um, but no, I don't think I'm looking at. It. As far as their conferences and things like that, I'm looking at both of these teams and what they can do. Now, Auburn at, at their quarterback position, they score, but you know it's almost like in this game, I think they're going to have to score like almost every time they got to hold the ball on the offensive side of the ball because I don't know if you can trust them um, to uh, match uh, point to point for Florida State, and I don't know if Cuervo sees things. Yeah, Cuervo, what do you think, buddy? Oh, well, I mean, if you want my honest opinion, I think I think Florida State wins in a blowout, but I don't want to, you know, upset you or anything, Tarvino. So, <laughs> no, that's I'm your opinion, kidding. man. That's your opinion. No, I, I respect no, everybody's hey, opinion. Tarvino, you know I'm not. You know I'm not going. You know I'm not going to go against the SEC in the national title game. I don't care who it is, but uh, honestly, <laughs> though, I I mean, I think. Both teams have holes, you know, defensively. Um, you know, how well can Florida State stop Trey Mason? I'm not even going to say the running game, but you get a running back like Trey Mason you have to go up against. I'm sorry, who name me the best running back that Florida State went up against this year. I mean, to me, the Boston College I think, did. Yeah, and, and how did he do against uh, against that Florida State defense, if I'm not mistaken? I don't want to say he yeah, ran 200 yards, but I don't. I don't think they stopped him either. I think it was 175, I believe, somewhere around there. So, oh my goodness! So imagine what imagine what Mason's going to do to that defense, that run defense, and that's going to be the key now for Florida, for Auburn, Tarvino, and you know this, okay? They cannot let Jameis Winston pick that secondary apart. Because if that nope. happens, then, you know, Auburn's in trouble. Auburn's going to be in big-time trouble. So that's going to be, you know, I mean, both both teams defensively have holes. And let's see, I'm going to, I'm pulling it up right now, guys. I'm going to tell you exactly how uh, Williams did. I forgot his first name, but Williams from Boston College, he had 150. Yeah. Yeah, 149 yards. Yeah, you're right. He had 149 yards on 20 carries. Now the good thing is they did they did uh, hold him scoreless, so he didn't he didn't punch it in for a touchdown. But I mean, they still 149 yards rushing with with that kid. I mean, Mason's gonna Mason's gonna run all over those guys. So, um, but you know, you mentioned earlier about 
do you look at the conferences? I don't think so because for both teams, I have I think you have to forget about the season and just focus on the team you're playing against. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't look into well, you know, Florida State's from the ACC and and Auburn's from the SEC. I think that's that irrelevant. Nothing to do with it. National title games. Yeah, you're right. it, it all comes down. Both of you are right. You're exactly right. And what what I see happening, Sonny, and I know. If if you watch Auburn and Florida State play, you have to worry about Auburn in this game, and you're exactly right. It could be a, a long day, but it, what but what has to happen for Auburn? You guys tell me if I'm wrong. Like Cuervo said, you can't let Winston sit back and pick your secondary part because let's face it, we don't have a secondary. So what what what's going to have to happen is they're going to have to get pressure with four people, and I think playing in the SEC every week, finally getting healthy, rested and getting these younger guys a chance to play, I think that's what you're going to see Auburn rotate 10 or 11 people in, Sonny, and they're going to keep continuing to bring pressure with four. And they can't get pressure every time, but they're going to get it enough to keep Winston frustrated. And I think if they can stop Florida State from running the football, they're going to win this game because I really don't think Florida State can stop Auburn from scoring at least 40. And I'm not saying that to be cocky. I'm just, I've, I've seen them play the way they scheme – they can score in a minute, but the problem is, Sonny, so can Florida State. They can score very quick, too. Right, and that's what I was looking at when I took a look at the game as far as, you know, you know, it, it, we can sit and stare at the stats, I think, and I think we're going to probably do that too much because in reality, mm-hmm. when you think about this game, I think these two teams can play – Different one day compared to the next, whether it Sounds whether it's, if Auburn holds, yeah, yeah, exactly. That I think that's exactly where I was going with that, and it, it's and that's a valid point. It's you know, it, it what team shows up, I think is going to be huge. And here's the thing: I think both teams show up. So now mm-hmm. we're in the situation where right now. When you take a look at this game, it's going to be about what is ready to go on the football field right now. Will it be Freeman with those all those yards and the 13 touchdowns that that he had? Uh, will it be somebody else? Uh, you know, at the quarterback position. I mean, in reality, Florida State, it, the Seminoles led the nation in sco- scoring 10 points a game. But if they don't get those 10 points. Is that going to affect the bottom line of this football game? Um, you know, their pass defense only gives up 161 yards, but guess what? Auburn can blow that right out the window. So when you take a look at the stats, there are you, you go, well, geez. I mean, Florida State. If you go by if you go by the state, Florida State should blow this team out, like you said. But I just don't think you can really look at the stats at all and, and make a determination on who's going to win this game. Cuervo, I think it. It, it, what really matters to me is, you know, both teams, you know, the way they start, obviously. I think Auburn's been there, you know, before. I think Malzahn's been there just a couple of years ago. When you can run the football and run it effectively, I think that kind of takes – people talk about a layoff, being rusty. I think that hurts Florida State more than it does Auburn because Auburn's more of a run football team. But I think the difference in this game is going to be the second-half adjustments. And I think they said it on game day this morning, and that's perfect. Which which coaching staff can make the adjustments? Because if you think Auburn's going to run the same plays that they ran all year, they're not. I mean, they're going to have some wrinkles in it. They're going to be able to make adjustments. And I look at the coaching staff of Florida State and Auburn, and I see two great coaching staffs, not just coaches. I mean, Jimbo Fisher and Gus are good coaches, but the staff they have together – 
are huge. And nobody talks about one thing, Sonny, and it's uh, Damian Craig actually recruited and coached Winston. He's coached this Florida State team for a long time. He was the quarterback when Jimbo Fisher was his offensive coordinator at Auburn. I think the familiarity that went, that uh, Damian Craig and Auburn have with Florida State is really going to benefit them in this game. I mean, I, I just think you can say, like you said, go tip for tat, this and that. But I think both teams show up too. But I think this stage is huge, guys. This is a big stage. And, and we've seen it in every national championship almost. Auburn, Oregon, 50 points a game. And all of a sudden it's a 22-19 to 19 football game, Sonny. So, I mean, this, this could go either way. But I think, and it sounds cliche, yep. whoever turns the ball over the least amount of times and doesn't get to make the stupid mistakes wins this football game. I think I, I, I think I agree with you, but let me add up on top of that. I think capitalize on the turnovers. You look at the yeah. – I mean, if you're going to look at it, you're – okay, a freebie. Whether or not you can capitalize. And, they're going to be, and then at that point, will it be three or will it be seven or six, whatever the case may be. You catch what I'm saying? You, you get that ball as a freebie, you've got to be able to take advantage of it, at least in the national championship game in reality. So um, I, I look at that, and I think you're right. I think it could come down to turnovers, but it's about what they're going to do with the ball after they get the ball on the turnovers. Hey, Cuervo, you look at Auburn has the best red zone defense out there probably. You get inside their 20, they hold you to field goals. Do you think Florida State realizes that? Do you think they try to hit the big play, the big pass to to avoid getting inside the 20? Because I think if Florida State relies on kicking those field goals, they're going to be in trouble. Even though they have an All-American freshman kicker, he is a freshman. So is their quarterback, but you've taken three points instead of six. I think that could be the difference in this game, just like Sonny said. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I would, you would think that Florida State has to recognize that that their that their red zone defense is one of the best in the country. So yeah, I think when when Florida State gets in the red zone, I think you're going to see a very aggressive Florida State team, and you're going to see Winston. He's going to you're probably going to see him throw the ball three out of four times. And with you know, so yeah, I think I think they have to know. Florida State has to know about excuse me about Auburn's uh, red zone defense. So uh, one, one, another thing I want to mention, guys, you know, let's not forget this is college football. In college football, um, you know, every team has a bag of tricks. So I think the team that is the most uh, you know attentive and you know. Attention to detail is going to be key, I think, as well, because you could see – I mean, we could see an outside kick happen to start the game off. We could see fake punts. We could see all – let's – I mean, the the season's over after the game – after that game ends, guys. So it's not like, well, let's just play for next week. There is no next week. There's there's the offseason after the game. So you – for both teams, they have to they have to really stay on their toes and, and make sure they don't get they don't get caught with the with the trick plays. So I think the team that that um, is the most prepared for for those type of plays could be a key as well because I mean I, I could very well see that happen. I mean you you got two coaches I think that are both that are both uh, risk takers in Gus Malzahn and and uh, with. Uh, with Jimbo Fisher, these guys are—they they like to play with the house money, so like like they say. So, 
Uh, don't don't be surprised if we see stuff like that. Hey guys, will y'all do me a favor? Are y'all planning on staying for a few more minutes? Can y'all take over the show right now? And I've got some things I need to do. My wife's coming home. She's got a bunch of groceries. So we all keep talking and everything, and and I'll be back in probably fifteen or twenty minutes. Or is are y'all ready sure. to go? Okay, Grocery go ahead. Grocery duty, myself. Yeah, no, I'm gonna mute I, myself, and y'all go ahead. Go, Knock her out. Well. I- and I wanted to. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're on this because when you take, uh, I wanted to see what you thought about this Cuervo, Jimbo Fisher staying in states. We were just talking about it, and, and actually, I thought Jimbo Fisher might be a good candidate for a lot of NFL jobs. He decides to decline and go against that. What are your think thoughts about Jimbo staying right there in Florida State? Uh you know, Sonny, I think. I don't think he's quite ready for that for that move. I, mean, I know he's been at Florida. I know he's been at Florida State for a while, but I think he's only been the head coach what four years, maybe maybe three to four years. So I think I think he likes where he's at in in Tallahassee. I think uh, you know he uh, you know wants to really establish himself as one of the one of the better college coaches in America if he's not already. And I think uh, I think he stays in Tallahassee at least for another couple of years. Maybe if there's a good opportunity that comes up, you know, a couple of years from now, then you might you might mention his name again. But I don't think he makes the move quite yet. Yeah, he, he uh, he's already signed. That's what, that was the news is that Jimbo Fisher goes ahead and he says that he is staying right there in Florida State. That was uh, I, I saw that. I kind of thought if anybody kind of moved up, I would take advantage of that situation that happened in Florida State as fast as it did. Because sometimes when you look at coaches as far as college is concerned and you're getting a lot of notoriety for what you've been, done in such a short time, it's an opportunity for you to take that jump into the NFL. So I was wondering about that as far as that was concerned. Some other news that is taking a look at as far as, you know, why are we doing a show? Well, why not? There's lots of stuff going on. There's college football, of course, going on in the NFL. By the way, those are the lovers of uh, the Fresh Prince, um, uh, uncle, uh, uh, the uncle on that show uh, passed away. Um, so uh, uh, what was it? The uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, the father passed away, the, the uncle um, on that show passed away. Um, Jesus, name is slipping my mind, Cuervo. Help me. James Avery, that's it. Uh, uh, you know. So uh, Uncle Phil was his name. So he passed away. Thank really? you for giving me the update. Yeah, yeah, Uncle Phil passed away. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, I, was, I was shocked. I was like, oh, my goodness. So, and he passed away. He was 65. Um, as he um, goes there. So, hello, Brian, is the big news over there, White possibly taking the Houston job? I don't think it's a good one. I I think it's a bad one. Uh, Bridgewater has made it official. He is going to enter into the NFL, so all the speculation can be talking about that. Another story that's kind of interesting in Ohio State and their problems that they have always seemed to have some more defensive line. Noah Spence has been suspended for three games and will not play in the Orange Bowl uh, uh, against Clemson. Uh, the school said that Spence violated a Big Ten rule. Uh, he'll be eligible to return on the September 13th game against Kent State led the Ohio State uh, Buckeyes with eight sacks and was on uh, was second on the team with 14 and a half sacks 
for loss in 2013. Uh, is that going to make a difference, you think, in that game? Well, I mean, I, you know, you talk about the sack leader on the team, Sonny. So, yeah, of course it makes a big difference. Um, I, I don't think he would have really made a difference in this game. But, you know, for Clemson, knowing that your leading sack leader on the other side is not going to be there, I mean, obviously it's, it, you know, it's one of those little advantages that you have. So, um, yeah, I think it's important. I think it's, I think it is, you know, a big deal. I, I mean, it don't even matter what he did, whatever the the rule that he broke was. It's just the fact that he's not going to be playing in in the uh, you know in the bowl game. That that is that is an important thing to know. Yeah, it it, it it's huge. What's going on? Uh, the games that are happening. We're going to really break down the games as far as the NFL is concerned and the playoffs that are going on, the wild card uh, division, of course. Uh, two games going on uh, Saturday, uh, Kansas City and the Colts, as well as the Saints and the Eagles. Those are the four games that we're going to get this weekend uh, on the fourth on Saturday. On Sunday, uh, we get San Diego playing Cincinnati in Cincinnati and San Francisco on the road to take on the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, since we haven't had a lot of time, and I don't know, I mean, I know you had an opportunity to talk about the NFL because I missed the show by an hour because I was getting ready to sit down and we'll go into Wayne Sports Talk and you guys were done. Um, What was your, I mean, the the Chicago Bears, I, I actually think, and I normally don't say this, Cuervo knows this. I think your Chicago Bears got screwed on Sunday. I think they, they on a couple of plays, I think they got screwed. One is they didn't play to the will. That was their own fault. Um, but another play, you know, you, you, uh, it, it was just it, it's just a bad situation for the Chicago Bears all around. Just go back in time a little bit and discuss what you uh, saw in that game and uh, how it made you feel at the end of it. Ah, uh, well, Sonny. I mean, if I mean, it was just it was a punch in the stomach. I mean, in reality, to lose again, and to have of all teams the guy those guys up in Wisconsin to end your season again, um, really it really stings because, I mean, you know, you have the opportunity to, you know, make the playoffs, and you know you do stupid things like not not play through the whistle. All right. I didn't even I knew watching watching on T V that that ball was still alive. And I'm like, I didn't hear a whistle. Why is nobody doing anything? And you know, the refs are standing there like, Well, is anybody gonna pick the ball up and make a play? That should have that should have instantly set something off in somebody's head. And James Anderson, the idiot that he is, the linebacker, yep. he went to go grab the ball just let it go, and it's like, dude, you know, I mean, how how do you not pick the ball up? I like I said, I'm watching it on TV. I didn't hear a whistle, so I don't know how he how they didn't hear a whistle being on the field with the referee. So that that really that really got got me going, and then just the defense. I mean, my God, I don't know what else to say about yeah. how bad the defense is. It's terrible. It's absolutely what terrible. What are they talking about There's as far as Cutler up there? 
Um, well, I mean, everybody's just waiting to see what he's going to do. And you probably won't hear anything until next week. Um, but I, I, How are the I, fans I reacting to him, though, I, you know, in that game, I guess is what I'm asking Cuervo. In that game, I mean, I, they're not putting it on Jay, are they? No, no, not at all. I mean, this is this is Thank strictly you. on the defense. This is all defense. It's a little bit Mark Trussman. I mean, you know, you look back at some of the games, uh, some questionable decisions. But for the most part, I'd say about – 80% to 85% is defense. And especially that, you know, Mr. Uh, Chris, I look lost all the time, Conti. That's, that guy's got to go. <laughs> the, Bears, the Bears need to go, with their, with their first pick in the draft next year, they need, to go, they need to go safety. They absolutely have to go safety. And even if they do have to reach for someone, you, you have to get somebody – out there in the secondary to help out Tillman and Tim Jennings because I mean those the, and, and I mean that's if that's if Tillman even comes back I mean there's there's talks he may not even be back in Chicago next year because there's a lot of free agents that's the biggest thing too it's all the free agents that that the Bears have on their roster right now I mean Jay Cutler's a free agent Peanut Tillman is a free agent. Uh, you've got uh, Matt Slauson, the left guard, who's a free agent. They only signed him a one-year deal last year, Sonny, so he's a free agent again. Um, you've got, I think, the linebackers, uh, the ones that they brought in, they only signed those guys to one-year deals. So those guys are free agents. you got Garza at the center, who's a free agent. So there's a lot of decisions that are going to have to be made in Chicago. But, you know, I'm not really too concerned because, believe it or not, Sonny, I'm, I'm, uh, I, as a fan personally, I like what Phil Emery has done. I've liked, I like the decisions that he's made so far, as the GM for the past two years. He's made some really good decisions, and I, as a fan, I trust him. I think he's going to do what's best for the team. And you know, some fans may not agree with it, but you know, you you have to look at what he's done. The past, he, this is the guy that brought Brandon Marshall in. This is the guy that drafted Alshon Jeffrey. This is the guy that, uh, you know, brought in, drafted Kyle Long. And so, I mean, those, those are three good picks, and that's not – I mean, he's done other things too, but, I mean, you know, that's, that's what he's done so far in two years here in Chicago. So, oh, Martellus Bennett, you know, I mean, so he's done some good things here in Chicago, and, and I, think he, I think he's going to make the right, the right decisions. Taking a look at some of the things that happened in Week 17 in the NFL, again, Cuervo talked about it, but um, I didn't get an opportunity to talk about the Minnesota-Detroit game, and we, we talked about that Jim Schwartz, he's gone. Uh, so coaching uh, change that happens there, very much deserving. Uh, I, I don't know. If Detroit got that victory, do we see Jim Schwartz as still as the head coach, or was it the way they lost that football game, and that's one of the reasons why he got let go? You think if they got the victory, would he still be the coach in Week 17? No, I wouldn't have mattered, Sonny. I mean, because they 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 would have had to make the playoffs for Schwartz to stay in to stay in Detroit, and it didn't happen. So uh, I think if even if they would have won that game 50 to nothing. It still would have. It's you know Schwartz still would be gone because you know you missed the playoffs and you know Detroit had a two game lead when Rodgers and Cutler were out 
and they still found a way to blow yep. it. So I think that's what really left a bad taste in, in Detroit's mouth. And once they got eliminated, I think that's when the choice, you know, that's when the decision was made, in my opinion, that, uh, you know, they were going to they were gonna change coaches. When I look at what happened as far as Arizona, now granted they take the loss to San Francisco in Glendale, uh, you know, Arizona didn't give up 13 points in the fourth quarter to try to get back into that game. They were going for 20. Um, you know, it didn't matter because the Saints won uh, to put them into the playoffs, but this is the year – the best season in franchise history for the Cardinals. Um, and that's something really weird to say because that's a 10-win season. Um, that tells you where the franchise is going. Now, I was, again, I was uh, kind of like really felt bad that Ken Wisenhunt got the ax over there, but what Bruce Arians has brought to that Arizona football team I think is really huge and definitely advantage for them moving forward. Yeah, it is, Sonny, and, and, and I think you're, if you're a Cardinal fan, you have to really like what you saw from the team this year. I mean, you know, you bring in a guy like Bruce Arians and Carson Palmer at quarterback, um, I mean, you really have to take a look at what Arizona could, could do in the future. The only thing they really need to do is get a little bit better off on the offensive line and get you a solid running back. And I and I think I think they will do that. And now that that's uh, you know I could see some I could see some potential moves in the draft for the Arizona Cardinals to get them a good running back. So you don't think Edelman is the guy that can hold on to and carry the rock for that team? I mean, this was a a young kid that you know came out literally out of nowhere. They're going to have to definitely work with him as far as injuries are concerned. But what do you think about that? You said Ellington, the running back Ellington. Ellington, I said, I said, yeah, Ellington. I said Edelman, but yeah, Ellington is what I meant. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's a he's a uh, uh, full time running back, Sonny. I don't think he's a guy that you can ask to carry the ball twenty to twenty five times a game. Um, you know, he's a change of pace guy. He gets you ten to fifteen carries, but as far as you know, a full a full uh, load at the running back position, I don't think he's a guy that, that'll get it done. And Wisconsin just returned a kickoff. Unbelievable. So Wisconsin's back in the game now. But um, that was nice. But, um, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think they need to find another guy that they can, they can say uh, this guy can, can carry the ball 25 times a game with what you've seen with the Chargers getting the victory in overtime against Kansas City Chiefs? No, I, and, and, and I really feel like even though they won, Sonny, they, they kind of they yeah. backed their way into the playoffs. I really do feel like they backed their way in because, I mean, this was a situation where they had to have two to three different teams lose and then, you know, the, the, the penalty that wasn't and – and all these other things that happened that went San Diego's way, um, I mean, the, the Chargers should be counting their lucky stars right now that they're in the playoffs because, I mean, we could have very yep. easily saw, you know, a, a, a Bengals-Steelers matchup in the first round of the playoffs. Now, I will admit, though, I, for that reason, though, I'm kind of glad that, 
San Diego did win because I'm sorry, I, I just I just don't want to see the Steelers and Bengals play again. I'd rather see other teams oh. play each other. That's what the playoffs is all about. I, I'm I, hey, I'm being I, I'm being honest. I would have loved to see Cincinnati get beat by the Patriots. Let's play devil's advocate. Who's going to win that game? Are the Steelers going to win the game, or are the Bengals playing? I know you won't see it, so now we got to talk about it. Um, I think right now, I think the Steelers had a better shot of winning that football game more so than Cincinnati did, or uh, than the Chargers did. Well, I mean, I think it would have been a better game, don't get me wrong. It's just my thing is I don't like seeing divisional matchups in the playoffs. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't. Unless it's, you know, well, not even Bears-Packers. I'm not really crazy about them playing in the playoffs either, maybe because the Packers always beat them. But still, I mean, I'd like to see the Bears play other teams <laughs> in the playoffs because that's what it's all about. I mean, you really – you really see how good of a football team you have. I agree. There's 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 something to be said about different teams, like uh, seeing the Ravens play again in the playoffs and going up against uh, uh, the Steelers or uh, the Bengals. That's something else, you know, because we already get to see those twice. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, the best two out of three, I guess, at that point, but. Uh, it's not even that. It's a win if you're in. If you you know lost to the team twice and they're in the regular season, um, and you get the win in the playoffs, you move on. So it's not even a win. In you. It, it's a win and you're in more so than the best two out of three. However, I, I always like those those grind out games. I like those games. Those Steeler games. I like the. A, I think the AFC North is one of the most entertaining divisions in football and I think that's one of the reasons why um, I like watching those games more if I had to if I didn't have red zone and I had to gear in on a, uh, a team to watch and I had to I'd watch uh, at least a team in the AFC North because they're just I, I just like what we're getting in football games from them so yeah it, it's uh, it definitely uh, uh, NFL to remember this year now with the playoffs are set um, and we're going to talk about those playoff games, talk about the numbers and everything. But just really quick, up on top of it, Cuervo, Indianapolis and uh, Indianapolis hosts Kansas City. Uh, they couldn't get better than the number five. But what did that tell you, though, when you look at Kansas City on their seconds going up and putting up a great big fight against the San Diego Chargers? I thought it was ingenious. I, I, I'll even say it, and you know me, I'm not the biggest Andy Reid fan in the world. I think it was genius to let them do it and let them go out there. They damn near won that football game. And here's another when I say that. I think Andy Reid expected him to win that football game, and that was something else as well. You know, honestly, Sonny, I don't know if I totally agree with that. I think Andy Reid was kind of surprised at how – close that game was and it's not it's just not even the fact that he doesn't think his second string is very good it's just I don't think he really expected a whole lot in that game I think he just wanted to rest up some guys that was the that was the main focus was to rest up guys like Jamal Charles and Alex Smith and um and uh pretty pretty much see what what they have in the backups um you know, get them a little playing time and whatnot in case of injury in the playoffs. 
So I mean, I think yep. I think that uh, as far as that's concerned, maybe that was maybe that's what he was trying to do. Uh, you know, Andy Reid just to try and gain some confidence in the backups in case somebody goes down in the playoffs. But I mean, in reality, though, I don't. I really don't think Andy Reid expected a whole lot. And when they found themselves in that dogfight, they're like, "Wow, uh, we got something going on here." So uh, I think. I think that could really help Kansas City going into the playoffs game that hey even even if somebody goes down we got somebody that that can you know step right in and and uh take over without missing a beat. Yeah, I think that was a huge game for them as far as the whole year. And matter of fact, I'll even put it out there. I think it was probably one of the most important games to get an idea what you're going to get full speed just playing your seconds against the team that's going to be in the playoffs, um, and they started their starters. I just, I, I think it was really good for them and everything else. Um, the Saints on the road, they're taking on the Eagles. We know about the Saints in the road, and we know about the Philadelphia Eagles. Going to be an interesting game there up on Saturday. We'll talk about that 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 game along with San Diego, Cincinnati, and San Francisco, Green Bay. Um, huge games there. Um, we don't want to give anything away, um, but as far as what we're seeing and all of the speculation about some of the openings that are there, we're hearing uh, Harbaugh's name being thrown around for college gigs. Are we serious? I mean, it, it, I mean, I, I got to ask, what's the what's the deal with Harbaugh? And maybe you know, why is his name being thrown around for a lot of these college uh, gigs that are out there? Sonny, I, I, I wish I knew the answer, but I have no idea why. I mean, why would you leave the San Francisco 49ers when you just when you just made the Super Bowl last year? So maybe from for uh, from a money standpoint, maybe that's why. But I mean, there's no way Harbaugh will leave in San Francisco. I really don't see that happening. I mean, they just can't, they just played in the Super Bowl last year, and you know they're 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 primed for another run. You know, depending on how they do against Green Bay, I mean, they could see themselves back in it again this year. So I don't, I don't know why, Sonny. If I knew, um, you know, I wish I did know, but I don't. I'm, I'm really confused about it. I, I, there's not a snowball chance in hell any team has a chance of getting, uh, you know, you know, Harbaugh out of there. This, they made the playoffs, um, and uh, you know, Frank, uh, you know. I don't think Green Bay, you know, just off the top of our head, not really digging deep. I don't think Green Bay can beat them, um, even in Lambeau. Um, so it, it'll be really interesting. I guess that I guess that will be real interesting after tomorrow's or Saturday's game, Cuervo, where that whole that whole talk will happen. Because if they lose in the first round against Green Bay in Green Bay, will that be a determining factor if we could see him move forward? I don't see why it could be. Um, all that guy has done is in two years, in the two years that he's been there, made the playoffs. And really, when you look at NFL and what's going on in the NFL, you can't ask any more of your head coach except to do what they've done. Gone to the Super Bowl, and the next year they make it to the playoffs. And not only that, look at that division. The Seahawks, my God. Um, you know, they took off with it, and we're talking one less victory from either one or both of those teams. We could be talking about the Cardinals in the playoffs. It's really um, – I don't think you could ask much more from that, and he might be able to get more money if he asked for it if someone offered it on the college level. 
Yeah, and, and that's I think that's what you're seeing with Texas, and that's why his name is linked to the University of Texas job because of all the money and the incentives and the ownership that he would get being the head coach down there. I just I just don't know. To me, it, even though you'd be head you'd be head coaching the you know the Texas Longhorns, I think it's a downgrade. I do. I think it's you're downgrading right. from being the, the the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, you know. This is, a, this is a franchise that's won five Super Bowls, and I know you really can't live off of past history, but at the same time, I mean, this is a franchise that knows what it takes to win. And, you know, Harbaugh has brought that back to San Francisco, and, and I just don't really see how that even is, you know, why his name even was thrown out there in the first place. I don't think there's any way that, Unless he gets offered like ten million a year, I mean, there's no way he leaves a situation like like that in San Francisco. Now, with that being said, Sonny, I think the one thing that could make Harbaugh move is the fact that he's probably looking at the at his division in the NFC West and saying, "Whoa, boy, this division's getting real good." And they're getting it's getting real competitive because let's face it, the St. Louis Rams are going to be they're going to be better next year, Sonny. All right, they get Sam you Bradford think back. So. They're getting the number two pick overall, okay? Because they 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 robbed the Washington Redskins from that RB three trade. Um, uh huh. And I mean, you look at Arizona, you saw what they did, and then Seattle is Seattle. So overall, that division, top to bottom. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if every team in that division next year won at least nine games. And I think for Harbaugh, that could that could cause him to lose, you know, to really pull all of his hair out of his head and say, well, why why stress myself out when I can go back to college and go dominate the Big Twelve? So I think that could be a factor in him leaving San Francisco. But again, I, I, I still don't think it happens. I don't think so either. Some of the news out there, O'Brien is, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Bridgewater uh, is going to be declaring himself uh, for the draft. Where will he go? I guess it's a huge O'Brien rumored to be leaving Penn State to take the Houston job. Michael Vick is expecting to start for quarter, is wanting to start for a team at the quarterback position next year, Cuervo. This is just news I've popped up on ESPN, and as I looked at it, I laughed. I giggled. I'm looking, you know. Now, granted, I guess he can start on some crappy team in the NFL. And there, there are plenty of them to pick from. Um, yeah. Mike Vick, first of all, does he start somewhere? And then I guess that's probably the most important question is, is, Will he play football next year? That's a, that's the question I've got to ask right? because, you know, hell, you know, and I, I go back to Tim Tebow. If Tim Tebow can't get a job, how can Michael Vick get a job? Now, granted, he's got more experience. I'll, I guess i got to give him that, and he could be a good backup somewhere. But to start anywhere, man, that's a big question for me. Yeah, I mean, there might be a team out there that takes a chance on him, uh, on Vick, and try to, uh, you know, re-energize their franchise. I mean, hell, Jacksonville could use any help they can get. Uh, but, I mean, 
I mean, there's there's opportunities out there. Now, he also did say, heck, if the only opportunity that I'm offered is a backup job in Philadelphia, then I'll take it. I mean, he, he wants to play football, Sonny, and I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that he wants to play. It's just a matter of, you know, what's going to be offered to him. And I really don't – I could see maybe maybe two teams offering him something. Other than that, I think he's – Am I still online? I can hear you. Okay, good. I, I just heard a noise there. Thought it was that. Um, some of the situations coming up there. Lovey Smith being thrown around for the job down in the Bucks. This is coming from the fabulous sports babe. Oh, great. We're going to have a good defense, but not a good offense if that ends up happening. Good question. That's why I threw in the Shanahan idea. I mean, I, I don't know. I I don't know if there's enough money or if there's enough ego to go around. But if I'm the Bucks, I think I'm all right with Lovey Smith. But I think I bring in Mike Shanahan too. I mean, if I can afford it. The question is, is that even a viable situation? Hell, I don't know. I think the egos could get in the way of the idea. I just thought it was a neat idea. But sources and everything are saying Lovey Smith down in Tampa Bay. I don't think there's an opportunity that Shanahan would go. Uh, so that being said, I, I think I agree with the fabulous sports, babe. I, I, I'm not very um, optimistic about the Bucks offensively, and that's where they need most of the help right now, Cuervo. Yeah, Sonny. I mean, offensively, they're just not very good. I mean, they don't have a they don't have a quarterback that you know is established yet. I mean, Mike Levin's going to go into his second year and. Um, you know, I mean, they've got good pieces around him. You just got to get that quarterback developed. But, um, yeah, you bring in Lovey Smith, I mean, boy, oh, boy. I mean, you thought the offense was bad now. I mean, the, the, you, the, the, the offense will probably be one of the worst in the NFL you bring in Lovey because, he, like you said, he's, just, he's not an offensive guy. He's just not an offensive guy. So, I mean, you would have a great defense, and maybe that's something that could benefit Tampa Bay with the division they, they play in. Because you got to go up against Cam Newton, Drew Brees, and Matt Ryan twice a year per P, you know, per 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 guy. But at the same time, you know, that doesn't guarantee you're going to win football games. So you got to have some sort of offense to score some points. And with Lovey Smith as the head coach, well, I mean, I know, I know personally, points are going to be hard to come by with Lovey as your head coach. Some reports coming out of uh, Miami. It looks like Philbin's safe, but the offensive quarter, coordinator and the GM may be in trouble. It's kind of interesting. You think about it, Cuervo. you got the coach who, you know, you know granted, the Miami Dolphins took a head dive in that game. Um, so I guess the question that I have to answer or ask you would be is moving the GM and the offensive coordinator out, leaving Feldman in, uh, what do you think ends up happening down there in Miami? Uh, well, I mean, I think Philbin will be fine. Um, but, I mean, if you, you move the GM out, that's that's going to be interesting because what direction will the Dolphins go from there? I mean, it, it looked like they, you know, they were going in the right direction. I know they overpaid for Mike Wallace, however – second half of the year he started to earn his paycheck a little bit more and um you know things were starting to go to look good for for the dolphins it's just you know they just 
they didn't win games when it mattered. I mean, they they embarrassed themselves against uh, you know against Buffalo at the end of the season, and and I think the last game of the year they wind up losing to the yeah they lost to the Jets. I mean, they, I mean they they just they couldn't score when it mattered, and um, you know what can you say? And the guys just didn't show up, so. Um, you know, maybe the GM is they they want to replace the GM, get some more playmaking guys in there, and uh, I don't know. I, I think it'd be a, I think it's I think it's uh, a mistake because you saw you saw the improvements in the Dolphins. So why would you change what was starting to work for them? I, I just that to me Definitely. that doesn't make sense. Some teams that are actually, and, and I can't believe the story when I saw it, Cuervo, but there are actually teams that are in risk of having a blackout for the playoffs. I, I'm Green Bay, Wisconsin. I mean, I, I, out of all the places, as far as the NFL is concerned, Cuervo, the Green Bay Packers right now are 8,500 short of selling that football game out, which means... They will not have that game being aired on TV. Same thing is going on as far as Cincinnati is concerned. Their organization is looking at the same thing as well. They are not completely sold out, and that's a problem uh, as far as that's concerned. So you've got the Packers, you have Cincinnati, and then also the Colts. The Colts, they actually... um, you know, the league extended the Colts' deadline to avoid the blackout for, um, you know, for the games in the holiday, but now they're in that same situation. 10,000 seats remained in the, uh, uh, for Cincinnati, and it looks like there's about uh, uh, 5,700 uh, for the Colts. So, I mean, day and age, when you're talking about it, I think the NFL and especially some of these other teams are getting a, a real dose of reality of what fans can and cannot afford. I don't think this is a matter of people don't want to go to the games. I think it's a matter of whether or not they can afford it, Cuervo. Yeah, oh, I, I'm, I agree 100% with you, Sonny. I mean, we, we've talked about it now the past couple of weeks about tickets and, and things like that. I mean, you know, Tarvino was mentioning that he would he would love nothing more than to go see Auburn play for the national title, but it's just going to cost too much. Um, I mean, and, and even if the game was you know right there in Atlanta where he where he is, I mean, are you willing to pay you know a thousand dollars for for a ticket to the game? I think it's absurd. And yep, you know, I, I really think that uh, I think that's. You know the NFL is it's starting to you know them being the the monopoly that they are uh, making so many billions of dollars a year. Um, I think this is the fans' way of saying you know what we're not we're not going to deal with it anymore as far as these overpriced. Tickets. I agree. And, hey, you know what? If it blacks out in in your hometown, then it blacks out in your hometown. You know, I mean, it, it would suck because the only way you'd be able to see the game is if you go, but. Who's to say you can't you can't or drive? Yeah, you can't drive to the next town over. I'm gonna tell you something, Cincinnati. It's about a hundred mile drive to Indianapolis, and vice versa. Yep. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Colts fans will drive to Cincy to go watch their game. 
and Bengals fans will drive to Indianapolis to watch their game. So it, that's a lot cheaper. <laughs> cheaper to fill up the gas tank than it is to buy the ticket. <laughs> there you go. You go. You find a Buffalo Wild Wings. That's the perfect place to yeah. watch a football game. And, and guys, you call guys, it guys, a I'm, I'm back. I'm back. And it makes me angry that Green Bay would black out a game in the playoffs for their fans. Some people, like y'all said, can't afford it. Maybe they, they have something else to do that weekend, and maybe, you know, they can't make the game. But to, to permit them, prevent them from watching that game, a Green Bay fan, hell, if I was everybody that had a ticket, I would just throw it away and, and make them black it out. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go for anything now after y'all said that. That That's interesting that you say that. I, you know, I don't know if any of these teams can afford that kind of negative publicity. Someone's going to have to buy those tickets. You know, if they black out a playoff game in Cincinnati or Indianapolis or Green Bay, that's on the team because guess what? Jerry Jones can buy those tickets and give them away, and it's a write-off. Or the owners of the team, they can write those tickets off and, and give them away. Uh, it would only be in their uh, best interest to purchase the tickets themselves and give them away. Um, it will be interesting to find out if any of them are going to be that way. Charvin. Oh, well, they're, they're not smart enough to do that, Sonny. They, they couldn't think of that, so it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Tarvin, go ahead. Since you're back, you got the rooms, and there's only like a couple minutes left. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's right. I mean, I, I just, I just hate it that that you see people trying to back people in the corner to pay money. If you want people to attend the game, maybe you should put a better product out on the field. Maybe you should cheapen your prices a little bit instead of trying to bleed uh, the pockets of of your fans. Like like Cuervo said, I'd love to go to the game. But I don't have 3,000 laying around just to, to fly out to Pasadena. It makes it impossible for people that really want to go to be there. So I don't know. Black it out if you want to. But like you said, you can drive an hour down the street to another town and watch it if you really want to. But would you do that I only took that if, uh, if, 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 if they blacked it out? Would you do that? Or, or would you be so pissed off you wouldn't even care to watch the game anymore? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> I don't know. I I know I wouldn't. I mean, but then again, I'm a cheap bastard. Uh, so, <laughs> so there you go. I mean, but I I know I wouldn't travel. So I don't think I would. Yeah, I got. I got. I, 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 I may. I may. go to the Panthers uh, game, Cuervo. They're 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 having no trouble selling theirs out. And I, and I think it's also if you're used to being in the playoffs, really a wild card game, does that really excite you? Where Carolina Panthers. They're 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 excited about it. They want to be there because they don't get to go. But you look at Green Bay, Indianapolis. They're they're used to playing. I mean, they're they're used to playing in the playoffs. So the fans, there's not much excitement. Why not stay home and watch it on your 60 inch big screen TV in high definition? That's and, what I say. Money. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? You know what I say to those fans, Tarvino, the ones that don't get excited about, uh, you know. The, uh, the 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 wild card games. I got I got two words for you. Fair weather. That's what you are. You're not a true fan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have to you have to be in that. You have to be into it every single game. I don't care who they're playing against. If you're a true fan of a team, okay, it's not about well I only watch it if it's if they're in the Super Bowl. Then you're not a real fan of that team. I'm I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna pull your card. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play your card as a fan. 
So exactly. Yeah, I mean, for, for Panthers fans, hey, kudos to Panther fans, man. I mean, you know, go see your team because I mean, it's a new experience. They haven't been to the playoffs in a while, and uh, you know, good for them. But you know, for for those for those guys up north, those Green Bay guys. Let me tell you something. You think you you think there'd be leftover tickets here in Chicago for a playoff game against the 49ers with Jim Harbaugh in town? <laughs> yeah, you lost yeah. your mind. Oh, South Carolina just fumbled. <laughs> oh man. And Georgia choked earlier. Georgia <laughs> choked. Obviously, Georgia needs to go back to learning how to catch a football before running with it. Definitely. Yeah, I, you know, I, you probably caught me laughing earlier, guys. Uh, Wisconsin threw an interception. What happened was, I guess you could say Clowney made a play because the uh, Wisconsin quarterback threw the ball and the ball went off of Clowney's helmet. So it hit him in the head, deflected in the air, and South Carolina intercepted it. And then South Carolina just coughed it up, and now Wisconsin's got the ball back, down 10 points with four minutes left. So, um, yeah, Clowney's going to be the number one pick because of his head. Exactly. We've been saying that all along. <laughs> yeah, 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 we have. But, uh, no, I mean, uh, honestly, though, I really I really do feel that way, that if, if the Bears would have won that game Sunday, I, there's no way that there would be leftover tickets right now. That I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's the city that, you know, Chicago being a, the sports town that it is, uh, but I, I just don't. I just don't see how the you know how there'd be leftover tickets for a Bears playoff game. Money, 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 money. Money. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And high and, and definition telling, TV. And that's what I was telling. Uh, that's what I was telling Sonny Tarvey. I don't know if you heard me, but you know, even if even if the national title game was in Atlanta. You, I, I don't know if you would go to that game because, yeah, you know, imagine, imagine it's like, yeah, you can go, but you got to pay a thousand dollars for a ticket. It's like, see, I, I will, I pay a thousand for a ticket, but I won't. I just can't afford the the fifteen hundred for airfare and then the hotel rooms and and the rental car and everything that comes with it. If I could just hop on the train and go twenty minutes and watch Auburn play, I could pay a thousand dollars for a ticket. That's fine, but I couldn't do it every week. I couldn't do it you know, all the time. But the travel, that's the problem. They said that this is the lowest uh, attended BCS National Championship it'll be because Florida State and Auburn fans can't travel all the way to California and afford it, really. It's just it's going to be sad. You're going to see about half that stadium full, and this is a national championship game. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. But product that's out there, guys, that, you know, I know it's there, and I know it's in demand, but I mean, my brother started this about four years ago when he was a St. Rams fan. Um, you know, he wanted to go to a football game, and he got an extra 300 bucks that he had. He thought, in his crazy mind, that he could go to a St. Louis, or a St. Louis game. Um, to find out, obviously, that it didn't happen. Take the Sonny, you're breaking up for casual fan. All right, I, so I, go ahead, up. guys. I'll be done. And... All right, Cuervo, you and Sonny, thanks for joining in and having some fun. Sorry I had to, to break out for a little while, but you never know, man. I'm ready to watch some bowl games, Cuervo. What about you? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, I, the, the, the better ones are still yet to come. I mean, this is a good, entertaining game. Uh, Wisconsin just got intercepted in the end zone, so uh, South Carolina gets the ball on the 20 now. So this has turned out to be a pretty entertaining game at the end. But, um, uh, you know, I mean, we still got the Rose Bowl. Uh, you still got LSU playing Iowa. This is a close one, 14-7 with six and a half to go. And then, you know, like I said, you got the Rose Bowl still. You still got uh, – uh, I guess I'll pay attention a little bit to UCF and Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl. But um, I'm, I'm definitely going to be – I'm going to have my eyes on that Rose Bowl game. Yeah, I will too. But, guys, thanks for joining me. Cuervo, it's been fun. If you want to do a show later tonight, let me know. I'll be sitting around watching football. Have a happy new year. You too, Tarvino. Thanks for having us on. Oh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. But we'll see each other soon. we got a lot of playoffs to discuss before they come up. I'm sure we're going to do a breakdown. So let me know if you all want to do a show. Talk to you all later.